GraphicMedia.com presents Beyond the Wall, a Game of Thrones podcast. With hosts, Christiana Ellis, Chuch Schubert, Vivid Muse, and Nookchus. Hello, everybody. <laughs> we don't Hello. Have the, for the audio people, we don't have the title screen up this evening, so... We're it also this. just uh, occurred to me that even though at, in the Hangout we see small versions of everybody mm-hmm. in the bottom corner i think people watching on youtube only see whoever's the highlighted speaker at any given moment uh, no, so they see the others hmm? they see the they see the little uh icons huh that's not how mine end up looking i wonder if that's the setting when i, I do it know. for my other shows i don't know interesting that's how it looks when know. i'm viewing it right now <laughs> but um unfortunately we don't have viv with us tonight but we do have nutty there. Hello. Hey, how you doing? Oh, starting to freeze. Perfect timing because you know it was oh, no. working perfectly before. We also have Christiana with us. Hi. Drinking First. Diet Pepsi out of a giant mug. Ooh. Her stream is strong. <laughs> and uh, so we're discussing Game of Thrones season six, episode three, titled Oathbreaker. With no spoilers past the currently aired episode, as always. Oathbreaker just sounds like a word that you should say, like an 80s metal song with the (laughs) Oathbreaker. Oathbreaker. (laughs) You're an Oathbreaker. Yeah, exactly. Um, This show, or, uh... oh, let's see. No, no, no. Uh, News bits. (laughs) News bits. Oh, I so I don't know if you if either of you have watched, but I watched HBO's After the Thrones. They're doing their own commentary show now. Uh, yeah, I, I've seen the like previews for it, but I haven't watched it. I watched the last episode, which was for for Home. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's the one I watched. Any anyway, um uh, for me, wasn't the greatest. It was uh, well. It was, Interesting. They had some really interesting points of view for some things. And then some things they said, I'm just thinking like, what the hell is he thinking? Like, there's no way that would ever possibly happen. And realize that's probably people say that about me all the time. (laughs) Well, you know, I wonder about that just because obviously, you know, there are a lot of independent commentary shows for various TV shows that have been around for a while. But Talking Dead is obviously kind of the prototype for this new wave of like official, like endorsed Mm -hmm. um, commentary shows. But I think the problem with people trying to copy that model is that Chris Hardwick is just really, really good at what he does. And not everybody is as good at that. So it doesn't like I like Talking Dead, but I haven't liked any other version of that model. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I like well probably the the real originator is um um Andy Cohen. Watch what happens live on Bravo TV, which I get oh. sucked into watching sometimes. So we'll watch one of the one of her guilty pleasures, the uh one of the housewives shows. Yeah. And some of the so some of them I do enjoy watching. I really enjoy watching um Below Decks, which is about yachting and stuff. But so Andy Cohen does these shows where they basically do highlight clips, you know, of whatever the guest show was. I don't know if they always do lots of different shows, but anyways, his commentary is always just absolutely hilarious. I guess it's more of a talk show than. 
Well, yeah, and I, I was thinking specifically of uh, a channel that has a show mm-hmm. specifically producing and sponsoring a show that follows it just to talk about what that right, episode. Right, 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 right. So, well, he so like executive AMC. produces like yeah. most of those shows, but mm. <laughs> so I uh, I listened to the after the show thing, so I wasn't really paying attention. Um, it wasn't as good as like the after the show thing that Orphan Black does, mm. um, but generally I. I generally don't like the show sponsored ones because I feel like they can't be critical of the show. Mm. But if it's very quick, like five minutes or whatever, okay, I'll give it a listen. Mm-hmm. No, I think the Thrones one was an hour. That's it. I don't think I listened that long then. Yeah. <laughs> a little surprised. Um, uh, if people so, hear my little dog behind me, I, I apologize, but she definitely thinks that all attention should be on her at all times. She is right. <laughs> is she at least starting to do this when you podcast to your other shows now? Is it just um, sometimes? It depends. <laughs> Gonna feel feel slighted. <laughs> 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 so. Um, episode was uh, a little kind of a slow one. They're setting them pieces in place, setting up a lot of things. Although some big things do happen. Noticed in the uh, titles we got, a uh, title sequence, we got a Vase Dothrock flyby mm-hmm. real quick. First <laughs> but, time since season one, I think, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. Could be. I don't think she's, she hasn't been back there since then. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was interesting just that, uh, the last time we were there, um, we, we got a nice sort of verbal reminder of what it was that happened the last time she was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we got a frozen nutty again, unfortunately, uh, it looks like. <laughs> she looks happy. But, uh, yeah, but uh, it was interesting to see the um, face Dothrak. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing a new... Um, New one for Old Town, hopefully. Yeah. So it seems like, well, so, well, we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> actually, I guess it's a pretty short, short scene. We can jump right into that. Um, so they're okay. actually not going directly to Old Town. It looks like they're going yeah. to Sam's, Sam's hometown. Hornhill first. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm, I've got mixed feelings about that just because I am way interested in finding out what's going to go on in old town with the Citadel and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I am way not interested in meeting Sam's family. I'm just not, I, I don't care. Yeah. And so, I mean, maybe the show will make me care with whatever happens there. Like I care about Gilly. So if something's going to be, uh, you know, affecting her, then I'll develop empathy for her in whatever situation that is. But boy, just in terms of like, Oh, who's a character who's been referenced, but uh, we've never met that I would really like to see Sam's dad. No, no, he's pretty far down the list. Yeah. Um, So I'm hoping that that's not a sidetrack that's going to take up the whole season and delay getting to the Citadel because. Yeah. You know, obviously I'll, I'll let the show tell its own story, but that certainly doesn't, it's not an exciting prospect for me. 
and it's entirely possible this may be the end of it. Like the next thing with Sam, maybe he's walking into the Citadel. He's walking into Old Town. You know, maybe we don't stop at at the folks. Um, I can't imagine. Well, they would have to have some central thing to the plot. One of the plots, you know, or else mm-hmm. it would be a total waste of time, which Dorn is seeming like more and more. Um, though well, they still yeah. have plenty of time to go back there. <laughs> well, I didn't realize how close they are to Dorn. Um, when Gilly said we're heading south or we'll be in the yeah. south soon, I didn't realize. I forget about that geography, that part of the world. Yeah, well, it's just because nothing in the story so far has taken place down there. You know, it's uh, it's a part of the continent that hasn't seen a lot of play so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you think about it, like we have, we never, we never did even visit Casterly Rock, for example, even though that was a notable, yeah. relevant location that we never went there or had any scenes there. Mm-hmm. Uh, much less something that hasn't even really been <laughs> mentioned before. But uh, the, yeah, I mean, again, without making it all about the the books, at least we have a little bit from the books suggesting that there is additional intrigue to go on at the Citadel, meaning stuff's happening there too, Mm -hmm. just like everywhere. Um, And it's not just like, let's see Sam go to maester classes. Um, (laughs) It's just like Harry Potter, except really grim. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm more interested though in what might happen there than I am just about. Oh yeah, we heard about Sam's dad was really mean, and the whole reason that Sam had to join the Black was because his father basically said, "If you don't, you will have a hunting accident." Mm-hmm. And so it's like, yeah, let's go meet that guy because we need more guys like that on this yeah. show yeah and how wonderful but, uh, he'll be to this wildling girl and his but he says his son. sister is lovely son, though, so, yeah. yeah yeah as far as the parents know that'll be an animal. well that's yeah that's gonna be the story i think is is that uh that that's that's who little sam is mm-hmm. um and uh it, it was an interesting I I liked the scene, even though just from a overall storytelling perspective, it was kind of a non-event scene. Mm-hmm. It was a, hey, we haven't seen, seen we haven't seen Sam in a while. Let's remind people what he was doing. <laughs> um, that's kind of what it. So instead of actually moving the story forward, it was more just like people haven't seen him in long enough that they probably forgot why he wasn't still at castle black and what was happening. So we need a scene to do that and we can make him seasick too, which, you know, builds sympathy. Um, and, uh, and, and it's sweet. We just get to reestablish the relationship with, uh, him and Gilly. And we got, we get some nice soft humor there and, uh, reestablish their their dynamic and i and i i liked all of that even though from a plot perspective just not really like nothing happens it's more that he's like oh he finally tells her something that probably if she was paying attention she would have been aware of before now (laughs) right (laughs) um 
Or that he's really, really been putting off yeah. telling her. You know, this ship that we got on, it's not going to the place that I told you it was going to. And nobody else mentioned it before now. Right. But okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, maybe uh, it's, yeah. it's a it's possible. It, it's a long voyage, right? So maybe it has goes to the same port either way and everything's on land from there out. Well, it. I know it's not in the show, but isn't Sam's family, isn't... Um, what is it? Cornhill? Isn't Cornhill. it close to, isn't it just outside old town? Yeah. That's what um, we were talking about a little maybe bit, you know. I was just yeah. going to look it up on a map. Yeah. They're very, they're very pretty close. Okay. Yeah. So maybe that makes more sense then. Um, yeah. the idea that, uh, they would be going to the same place and that she wouldn't be too far away. But the show, the show doesn't tell us that, you know what yeah. I mean? It's like, yeah. <laughs> I um, I was just really happy um, with Sam and Gilly because this is one thing that, I mean, in the books, Gilly's crying the entire time. She's really upset. There's a whole plot point that's completely absent from the show. So I was just really happy to see Gilly happy and excited and the whole, you know, he, he he's, you know, with his father talking about how Sam is her kid's father and all this other stuff. And that to me is just, um, that was just really fun and exciting to see. Cause in the books, it's, it's a pretty horrible situation that's going on. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I, yeah. I like that. Be interesting to see what they do. Um, and we jump through castle black. Oh, so okay. Two right. scenes there. It actually ends, ends there, but. Yeah. We don't necessarily have to. We don't usually don't. <laughs> um, this, so the, the episode actually opens with, with John doing yeah. some heavy breathing and Davos coming in and Melisandre coming in looking quite surprised. Like, yeah. So mm-hmm. It did work. <laughs> I, I really like the detail and this was established back when it happened with Beric Dondarrion. But I really liked the detail that's a little bit unexpected considering normal genre tropes is that his wounds are not healed. Mm-hmm. And in fact, yeah. they're, they're not, they're, they're sort of like, like you might expect for like, like a zombie or something in the sense, just that it's like, they're, they're not healed closed, but they are also not still bleeding. There is something yeah. decidedly unnatural about it. And I thought that was uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, that it's didn't totally click detail. with me. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, you know, like as he mentions, it's like Ollie put a knife in my heart. Then she takes a moment to think about that. It's like, wait a minute. That something's <laughs> wrong here. <laughs> so it it kind of seems like for him it was just like stab, 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 wake up. Hi, what are you guys doing? You know, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Like um, because you know, when she was saying, when Melisandre, what, what did you see? What, what happened afterwards? And he's just nothing, nothing. Um, didn't give really an element of time, but it, his reaction kind of seemed that way of, of really na- realizing the situation, like not much time had passed. Mm-hmm. Although I well, guess, how do you describe pure nothingness? And you know, yeah, <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. Well, it's definitely true that on the show this season, I mean, it's always been kind of the case, but it's still true this season is that the various storylines are not remotely in sync regarding how much time is passing from one episode to the next. Mm -hmm. 
um, you know, it's the 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 implication uh, for uh, you know, say Tyrion and Varys and them out in Marine is that some time has gone by, you know, not a lot necessarily, but certainly not the couple of days at the most that some of the other storylines have seen. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, um, at the same time, I, I, I agree that it's, it's interesting. The, just the detail, the repeated detail again, because it was the same question with Beric Dondarrion. This just mm. this idea of like, I'm praying to God essentially to bring you back to life, and He did. It seems weird <laughs> that you just remember nothing, that you had no experience whatsoever of any like divine encounter or message or feeling of any kind. It's a little it. Something feels off about that. It doesn't seem right somehow. Yeah, yeah. It's but Melisandre's like you know. Well, Stannis wasn't the one I saw, so it's got to be somebody. <laughs> so, looks yeah, like she's ready to follow him wherever he goes. Well, and she even says the prince that was promised. Like I, I got all excited when I heard that. You know, she's like Stannis wasn't the prince who was promised, so it must be someone else. And I'm like. Gee, I wonder who it might be, Melisandre. Who might you be hinting at? <laughs> yeah, and so she says that, and we're getting, well, we'll talk a bit later about flashbacks about people, and all of this seems to be going a pretty predictable direction, which they could totally tweak out and change. But yeah. Although um, I will say, um, him not remembering anything, uh, definitely dashes my theory that he was warged into ghost, waiting in and 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 then warged back on hold into his own body. Yeah, <laughs> that I, didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was an interesting idea too. I kind of liked it in principle, but I can also see how that just adds complication when they clearly want to just get on with the story. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they they didn't want to have to try to explain that. And since their goal is obviously to, we need to get John out the door and off to his next adventure, whatever that's going to be. Yeah. Although, I, I or I don't know if we wanted if if we were jumping forward to that the the closing bit yet or. Yeah, because, sure. So all that really happened, you know, Davos gives or Jiminy Davos gives his his pet pep talk and. Oh, uh, okay. I did actually have something about that though, which was, yeah. and I want to. This is, you know, I had expressed reservations in the previous two episodes about it feeling off or out of character to me for Davos to be the pushing for this ritual. Mm-hmm. Even if we know he really liked John, the idea that he would be the one pushing a reluctant Melisandre felt off to me. And yeah. now, given the way it turned out, it just, again, feels like, I I feel like it would have worked better and would have felt more in character with everybody if Melisandre had just had her whatever her epiphany or whatever on her own deciding to do it maybe even over Davos's objections but now that it's worked that's when Davos gives him his look I don't know what's going on 
but look, you know, you're, you're back here and now you're just, you're back in with the rest of us having to just figure it out there, you know, <laughs> and, and that whole speech, I like it, but it also just feels again, not like the person who was actively pushing for this to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, still pretty bizarre. I, I feel like, and, and we don't have any book chapters to, or at least I've not read any because I don't mm. read the spoilers. We don't have anything to uh, firm this up, but I feel like Davos in this instance is taking the place of another character that's in going to be in one of the books. And that's why it just feels so off because in the books, Davos is not there. Mm-hmm. So I feel like he's taking the role of somebody else and that's why it just feels so awkward to us. Mm-hmm. And the writers kind of had to, cause they're like, well, who else are we going to use? I don't know. It's not going to be Ed. All right, let's make it Davos. Yeah. But they've and they've merged and it. replaced so many other characters and done it so mm-hmm. well. It's just weird. They'd be so clumsy. <laughs> well, I'm, and I'm not sure why, I mean, we'll see how it plays out, but I guess I just, I'm not given where we are right now. I I don't understand why it couldn't have been the way that I just had described it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. why did we need to go through this business of Melisandre being so in doubt of herself and now convinced again? Like, why why did she have to go? Unless they were just trying to, like, give her more to do or something like that. But I, I feel like this this felt just like, uh, like a weird little detour where it's like, whoops, I took the wrong exit and now I have to go the long way until I can get back on the highway. I, <laughs> I still hope, like we said last week that it pays off eventually and we understand why they had to go this way. Um, but I think it's just, they're trying to mash puzzle pieces together yeah. and uh, they did it too late. I did <laughs> like um, how Davos said to John, you know, good, now go fail again. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you may have failed, but you were doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, it reminds me of, I want to say it's related to Buddhism, but I don't remember exactly who the quote is from, but it's something to the effect of, you are not, you are not required to solve all of the world's misery but you're also not um, allowed to just like, sure. I, I'm saying it badly because it sounds all <laughs> profound, but the, so the gist of it is that nobody's saying you have to accomplish everything, but that doesn't mean that you just throw your arms up and don't do anything. Yeah. yeah. You know, you have to help. Nobody's expecting you to do it all, but you also have to work. You have to help. And so that's kind of the, I feel like I want to look up the real quote now because it sounds so much better in those fancy words. But I think that was kind of the gist of it here, which is it's like, okay, I don't know what the reason is, but you're back. And even if there's no reason at all, you were trying to do the right thing and yet yeah, didn't work out. That doesn't mean you stopped trying to do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. And in this case, the right thing is killing children. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ollie, Meaning though. The traitors. Like, Ollie kind of, he he just kind of turned into, like, like what else can you do with him? He, like, he, he didn't even say anything. He's just like, mm. Well, the thing is, <laughs> Ollie is a, took his vow. He was a man of the Night's Watch when he stabbed John. 
So for all intents and purposes, he was a man. Yeah, he was a kid, but they considered him a man legally. Mm -hmm. And if everybody else was going to get hung, it, yeah. Oh, and not yeah, like I'm not saying it didn't. Like imprisonment, you know. Not saying yeah. it's not logical. It's just you know, yeah. I didn't know it's that. Brutal. I didn't know that you know them um, doing a turnaround and all the rape and saying this is the year the woman means it's the year babies die, like every he's other not, episode. I, he's no. not a baby, I know, but they didn't well, have to also, go back to his face again and again. <laughs> I think, clearly I for think shock. That they really wanted to press that. I mean, to me, the whole execution scene was, um, it was, it was very, it reminded me of Ned Stark, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, he, he gave, he sentenced the execution and he carried it out and he made sure that he was the one to do it before mm-hmm. leaving. But, and see, that was on her. Okay, I don't. I don't mean to, uh, to cut you off, but I. I. I kind of want to agree and and disagree, um, because I definitely felt like Ned was being evoked there, too. And you know, and following through on this thing, if you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna declare the sentence, then you need to be the one to swing the sword. And I think that that was meaningful and an intentional callback and even part of the reason why you know he's swinging the sword to cut the rope instead of like doing a lever or something like that um uh and also just as a side note that you know it was a dangle strangle hanging not not snap the neck (laughs) with a fall you know so that was uh (laughs) it was brutal but um but uh i think part of the reason we kept flashing back on the faces is because at the same time that John did go ahead and swing the sword, honestly, like I think that the, the, the repeated shots on the faces is because he's not okay. Like this is, this is not something where he's all honorable and saying, well, I don't like it, but it had to be done. It's like, I think it's a big part of why he chooses to leave. And honestly, I don't actually admire him for it. I, I think it's not okay what he's doing. And, and I think that it's kind of him doing what he needed to do, but then saying that sucked. I'm out. And I honestly, I don't like it. I mean, I'll, I'll see where it goes from here, but I, you know, the episode's called Oathbreaker and this whole technicality of like, oh, well, technically I died. So that counts. I think that's BS. I don't, I do not share that assessment. I was, I was right there with you last week and I was saying, you know, if he, if he said I'm out because technically I died, I I was not going to be happy, but I, I also feel kind of like John that, you know what? I just had to do something that felt so wrong to me. It was technically right. It was what I was supposed to do. It was the honorable thing. And I'm done. There's nothing. I have nothing left. And I'm very interested to see what's going to happen next. Yeah, yeah, I don't I, think they'll tackle the loophole, but I think he negates the loophole by performing an action as Lord Commander and then leaving. Yeah. If he had got yeah. was resurrected and just left, that's one thing. 
totally. It, it, it almost makes him staying on. to do that almost more like revenge than justice. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, okay, I'm going to leave, but before I do, let me just make sure I kill the people who killed me. I don't think um, he premeditated leaving, though. Well, does like either way, like yeah. it, it's still it's as Chuch kind of points out. I think it still negates this idea that oh, I'm done now because I died because he keeps going and then stops. Yeah, no, I and I totally agree with that. What I mean is like when he says my watch has ended, I feel like to him, that's when he died. He has well, been ab- like do- committing this act has absolutely killed him, and there is nothing left. I don't think he planned it. I think he definitely thought he'd feel differently. Um, but I think that for him, it was, oh my God, what did I? Do? How can I command these men if I just did that? I, I'll agree that maybe that's why, but I don't find that reasonable i don't find it defensible or honorable in any way Mm. because i'm thinking what about ed ed's gonna be left there all by himself what about the white walkers they're still coming (laughs) like what is john planning to do here like he's coming back he has made everything into disarray like and and now he's just leaving and saying screw you guys i'm going off somewhere like yeah. what I I don't find his actions at all laudable. Like I think we mm-hmm. can understand them, but I think it's a moral failing on his part personally. Okay. Yeah. That's my take on it. And you know, maybe he will find some other way to try to fight that battle, but and and if that's the case that's one thing, but that's not the impression I get here. Yeah. I'm not defending John in the sense that saying that I think he's right. I was more along the lines of I understand his character yeah. and the motivations. I think the whole situation is FUBAR. Yeah. But I I it it's not it's not unreasonable to me. Whereas last week I thought if he were to leave the watch after all of this, story wise and character wise it wouldn't make sense. Whereas mm. now I'm like, okay, you know what, I can kind of see that. Well, I can agree there that I see where they have built the characterization and the story to make it go in this direction. But what I'm saying is within the context of the story, John is wrong. I think Mm. he's doing the wrong thing. He is not doing what Davos suggested. I think he is quitting and maybe he will eventually turn around and try to go and do something helpful again. But I think what he did here was to quit because it was too hard. And um, and again, I can understand why he might do that, but that doesn't mean that I think he is right to do it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I predict that we're going to see John go down a downward spiral. I predict he's going to head towards rock bottom, but see, I don't yeah. know. You might be right, but I hope not because I, I, I don't like that. I mean, he was one of – you know, I know this is a show where they, yeah. they do that to characters and, you know, no one is safe not only from death but also just from even staying a likable person. But mm-hmm. I don't like that. If that's what they do with the story, I will wish they had done something else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And HBO has to know we don't like emo John. 
Yeah. I had to have plenty um, of, of fan complaining about that in the early years. Yeah. One thing I, I do want to mention, because we just browsed past it, there were a couple of really good lines up at Castle Black. Um, like when Tormund says, what kind of a god would have yeah. a pecker that small? He's like, people think you're a god. And he's like, I'm not a god. I know that. What kind of a god would have a pecker that small? Like, I thought that was absolutely hysterical. I love how Ed answers the question that's on all of the fans' lips. You know, oh, you got brown eyes, you know, and and uh, and then John makes a joke, and Ed's like, "That's funny." Wait, you sure it's still you? <laughs> yeah, there so was that some, was hysterical. There were some great moments there, and I really enjoyed those bits. And that's all the more why I felt yeah. like it was such a betrayal when he leaves. What do you guys think of Alistair Thorne's uh, last words? I, I, they were exactly what I expected him to say because he still thinks he's right. You know, he, he does not feel guilty because he thinks he did the right thing. And he's like, okay, well, it didn't work out, but you know, that doesn't mean I think I did the wrong thing. Um, so I, it's, it's kind of exactly what I expected, although certainly it's, ominous and i you know maybe this is even part of what spurred john's decision but this this idea of okay i lost so i'll be done now but now mm-hmm. that you've let them in here you're you're basically you're basically uh responsible for everything they do forever yeah <laughs> i i i thought it showed that even though alistair's on the other side he definitely has a code of honor um, I didn't think about it, but I'm done kind of a thing until you pointed that out. But I think you're right. Yeah. Hmm. Like I did all I could and dude, I'm at the hangman's news. Nothing's going to change this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I have to wonder. I hope where somebody he... tells that one guy's uh, mom what happened to him. I hope he said it to John. <laughs> <laughs> I hope somebody else heard that. <laughs> yeah. I Yeah. See, I feel like those two other guys, it's like, now, it's one thing if they if the show had tried to establish those guys as actual people we cared about in any way, but given that we were not given an, any impression to believe that those guys had any special relationship going on here, I can't help but feel like those guys are like the most despicable, almost almost more, because we understand where Ollie's coming from, in, even if we think he's wrong. We understand where Thorne is coming from, even if we think he's wrong. Those guys are just like, we have no pre-established reason for them to be extra mad. They were like opportunists. You yeah. know, they're they're almost more like, you know, the mutineers at Craster's. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, you know, that was certainly my reaction when they were saying stuff was just kind of like, that one guy's like, you know, you, you shouldn't be here. This is wrong. And I was just kind of like, nobody Nobody cares what you think, dude. I mean, I know I guess technically we asked you if you had any last words, but you you, you should have just kept your mouth shut because that was a waste of everybody's time. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So Paulette asks, um, where do we think John was walking? Was he walking out of the front gate or down the tunnel towards the north? Oh. Um, My I- assumption was front gate. And the question in my mind, is he going to Winterfell or to the wildling camp? See, and and my assumption was I thought he was walking into the north. Really? 
Yeah. That's, I don't know why. That's just how I remember it. <laughs> um, my my thinking is that the um, I mean the the opening the gate to go through to the beyond the wall is like a big ordeal. I they didn't give any impression of of that. My I I didn't even think about it, but my assumption was that uh that he was leaving to to this to go south. Um, and I also just saw Sheriff Bullock's comment about my Ollie scowl face should be my new avatars. <laughs> I, I can't even do it again. It's like, I don't know. I don't know what I was doing. Before. <laughs> it was spontaneous before. Now it's forced. The uh, Q&A app will not open at all for me. So whenever oh, no. you guys see comments, please jump in because I'm not seeing them. <laughs> so, well, yeah. And I have no Bullock lower thirds, says, no pictures, no Q&A. Yeah. I'm like flying blind here. But uh, he also suggests his his thought about John is he flew to California to join a new age retreat and invent a Coke commercial. <laughs> <laughs> I buy it. That makes sense to me. So I'm looking at a screenshot and it looks like John's walking through a tunnel. But at the same time, there's like a little bridge behind it. I don't know. I think he's going to the north. But I'm not sure. I just can't see any, like, even if he has no idea where he's going, why would he go north? Like, what's up there? It's just zombies up there. It's ice zombies and white walkers up there. There's not even wildlings up there anymore. Well, maybe yeah, he I don't feels know. he just deserves to be with them because he's like the walking dead. <laughs> I mean, you up. might be right, but that makes no sense to me. I would be interested to see... Um, if that is what happens, I would be really interested to see why, because it seems like nothing's up there, whereas there's all sorts of things for him to do if he goes south. Maybe he's heading into the keep, into the castle to get his shit. <laughs> no idea. Because <laughs> if he's, you know, heading out in that he weather, needs, he is going to need to bundle up a little. He needs mutton. And horses. Yes. <laughs> oh, well, that actually. Knows? We don't know if he eats. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, what I was actually also just thinking is that uh, I wonder if anyone's going to go with them. Davos? Tormund? Melisandre? Mm -hmm. I could see her taking off after him. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Well, let's jump from there into uh, Brand's next flashback. So, hey, yeah. and, uh, this one apparently has a lot of stuff for book readers because to yeah, me, they're well, just at some place and there's a battle, yeah. and that's it's, pretty much it, it. It was pretty cut and dry. <laughs> it is continuing this season's in incredible trolling of book readers like there was so much in this season so far where they are deliberately tweaking people who've read the books um in this case again without going into it is this is something that you know we didn't see as a flashback in the book but we heard someone telling the story or no someone just remembering it i think so it's like a flashback except it's really told like in the contemporaneous time, them having the memory as opposed to flashing back like we're seeing mm -hmm. the scene. Um, but just like where the scene ends here, like what's in the tower, 
that's what we also still don't know. But there is a theory uh-huh. that has a lot of fan support, and I won't go into any more details, but it hinges on what's going on in that tower. And for and and everyone had assumed because all of the people who were actually there are dead that when Bran started being able to visit these flashback parts, everyone's thinking, that's the way we'll find out. And then for us to have a flashback and get all the way up to the moment where Bran is actually saying, what's in that tower? I'm going to go up in that tower and see what's in that tower. And then all three-eyed Raven said, no, no, you can't do that right now. Too much, too much. You can't, can't go. And we'll, come, we'll come back. And that's when everyone's like, but but it's promise me ned it's promise me ned it has to be nope too much information no 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 and he's trolling Bryn just as much as he's trolling us it's it's pretty fucked up that's really fucked up (laughs) yeah although what i will say that i was super impressed with actually is arthur dane's uh four-on-one two-sword adventure there that was like uh, I so one of the things you know they they have kind of throwaway line in the scene to say oh yeah my father said he was the greatest swordsman he ever saw or anything that's like an understatement compared to what we know in the books this guy is supposed to be like the greatest swordsman in generations yeah and so it's also it's just kind of awesome that the fight choreography of like the whole two sword thing as soon as I saw him pull the two swords out, I was like, oh, that's such, it's a gimmick. It's going to look terrible. But then he's fighting four on one, and it looks legit. Like, yeah. I bought it. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that looks really cool. And as he continues to get one more guy and one more guy and one more guy until now, it's just him and Ned. And we're like, oh, wait, no, this has gone horribly wrong. <laughs> it seemed like what was going so great a minute ago. I made a terrible mistake. <laughs> um, I there's so much in the scene, and I agree the fight choreography was pretty good, and I really enjoyed it. But it also was able to convey story during a fight scene, which is really difficult, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. so you got Sir Arthur Dane, Sword of the Morning. You can even see the sun on the pommel of the sword. It's so cool. Um, but you also get we finally get to see Ned fight which we never get to see because he won't fight unless he has to. It, he won't do tourneys, right? So mm-hmm. we actually get to see him fight, and he's very good. But we also get to notice that he won't attack people from behind. He had an opportunity to stab Arthur Dane from behind, and he never took that opportunity. And then Howlin' Reed does it, which we know that Howlin' Reed, uh, you know, Mira and Jojen's father, uh, he and Ned have some tight pact and there's like a whole debt there or something, but we don't know what the deal is. So there's all of that. And so there's so many things. And then you see Ned's face and he is just utterly crushed that Helen Reed stabbed him from behind because you can't do that. Well, I and thought he's there, like, well, I'm going to live with it. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think there was, it was complicated there in the yeah. sense that uh, it's like on the one hand, Ordinarily, I would say never stab someone in the back. On the other hand, he was about to kill me, and you saved my life and so, my sister's life. Yes, well, all you know, that we he take, knows. as far as we know, yeah, yeah, as far as he knows, to be sure. Um, 
but yeah, so I thought that was, um, I thought that was all really well handled and I loved to even just introducing already this idea of, well, of course I know what happened. I've heard the story a thousand times, but then it doesn't go like the story did. And he's like, and just introducing this element that, oh, maybe some of the things that you've heard about that were in the past is not how it actually went down. Unreliable narrator, you say? <laughs> so, uh, one last thing about the um, the fight scene, I do want to say, or the flashback, I do want to say that their casting and the styling that they did on the actor who plays Ned, so perfect. Like, <laughs> I really believe that was Sean Bean in a younger year, like, and the hair and the way he spoke, like, it just, it felt so good. I, I'm just laughing when you say that, not because I disagree, because I actually do agree, but just because I one of the one of the recaps I read was really insistent that they had cast terribly and that he didn't look right at all, and I that had kind of took me back to like looks pretty good to me, so I'm not sure what you're talking about, but all right. And so for you to just kind of echo that you thought it was perfect, I was like. No, what was that guy's problem? <laughs> Paulette asks a really good question. Yes. Um, she asks, do you think Ned actually heard Bran call out? I think it's fascinating. What what, what was your take, Chuch? It it seemed clear that he did. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. and them saying, no, oh, it was probably just the wind and the, the one-eyed raven, or three-eyed raven saying, um, you know, you can't affect the past, so... Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It it certainly seemed like it. Yeah, I mean that's kind of my take, and what I think's interesting about that is the three-eyed raven definitely claims that that's impossible. It's like, nope, the past is the past. the The ink is dry. But we know what we saw, mm-hmm. which looks exactly like he heard him. And it didn't, like, we, we didn't have this happen precisely in the books, but there was a similar event in the books where he says something and it seems like maybe the person heard him, even though it's not clear how that would be true. Yeah. And so what it seems quite possible to me is that either the three-eyed, ra- ra- three-eyed raven is lying to Bran for some reason, like makes him, like, maybe there is a way to, to talk, but he thinks that he shouldn't for some reason, or maybe he's actually wrong and there's more to it than even he knows. Um, like maybe something like so, but something is going on because it doesn't make any sense to make it so clearly happen and then have the three-eyed raven tell him, nope, that's not what happened. I that seems like an odd an odd thing to do if there's not something to that. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, it's, it's the same thing. It's very fascinating to me because in the books, there is definitely that level of, can he place suggestions in these mm-hmm. little visions or not? And, and I don't know the answer, but I'm very interested. And I think that there's a little, yes, a little no on both sides. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really excited by it. It's, it's very interesting. I, I, there's so many possibilities and, yeah. you know, is the three eyed Raven lying to him? maybe, is he more powerful than the three eyed Raven? 
Maybe. And again, uh, the Three-Eyed Raven talks about how he's not going to be an old man in a tree, which is, again, something that I thought was what was going to happen to him. Yeah, me so too. So this whole thing is just fascinating to me. Yeah. Well, one other detail that they uh, they they tossed out was this the idea that this this guy has been there for a thousand years, yeah. which I mean I mean we buy it not knowing anything else about him necessarily, it, get, other than he seems very mystical. He's got a giant spirit tree growing through him, and he can he's been doing all this other stuff. Um, uh, but I, at least one fan theory about who he was in the books can't be true if he's really been there for a thousand years. But then again, the show's version might be different. So who knows? Because there was at least one um, fan theory that is, it's a character that's from the, uh, the Duncan egg stories that I've heard oh. some people say they think that's who it is, but that, you know, he would, that wasn't a thousand years ago. So um, couldn't be him unless they're doing something different. So, which they might well be, you know, it could still be that guy in the book and just the show is not doing that because, but, um, so um, he reinforces the other, that Bran will not be staying. He will be leaving, yeah. but it sounds like it'll still be a while. If he's saying you need to learn everything. <laughs> Although, uh, Arya certainly seems to learn a lot of things in a short period of time. Truth. She, she got a montage. Before we go on to that, I just want to make a, a note to the people in the Q&A. I am trying to keep an eye on things, but for some reason, uh, comments are getting, they're disappearing. So if we miss yours, uh, we do apologize. So if we move on to another topic, it's not because we're being rude or we didn't like your theory. It might have disappeared. Truth. Mm-hmm. Um, so the show next went to Vase Dothrak. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So for me, it was, I had been getting pretty bored with Marine <laughs> with, with the starter <laughs> kingdom and thought it was time to move on as, mm-hmm. as we've talked about so much. Um, so I, I like seeing new stuff, Danny going through something new. Um, yeah. I'm having a hard time even, seeing where it's going. Yeah. I know. Well, it's even gonna, if it's, no. Sorry, I, I'm sorry. I keep talking over you. You're in the. You're well, saying what you're thinking. I just. I, I don't think it's going to be as simple as the dragons show up and hey, everything's great. Um, or that you know, um, what's his name, Jorah and and Dario, Dario just show up and everything's going to be great. I'm sure it's not going to be that simple. But um, I don't know. I don't really see how it's going to impact the rest of the world. <laughs> um, I'm interested too, just because seems clear to me what um, what role this sort of interlude can have in her story as long as it's going to play out the way that I've been kind of predicting that it will, which is the idea that she started to go wrong in Marine because she was getting so caught up in the trappings of being a ruler, which makes sense from a perspective but also makes her depart further and further from the mother of dragons persona. You know, this idea that like, if that's who she's supposed to be, according to whoever decides these things, the more she tries to be diplomatic and compromise and, um, and merciful and lock up the dragons, the more she's going wrong and she's getting too caught up on, Oh, well, I've got my army and you know, I've got my unsullied, 
to help me and I've got my advisors and Miss Ande and and Dario and you know Jorah for a while and then not anymore and then sort of again um, and then <laughs> and uh, and all of that stuff that she's built up around her and it was something where obviously she had worked put a lot of work into building up all of this stuff but I think she started to kind of be dependent on it and this is going to strip all that away again and kind of remind her when it comes down to it, when she has nothing except her own body and that's it, like, you know, there's no weapons, no anything. It's just her. Is she still Daenerys Stormborn or is she, I mean, you know, is, or is she just, uh, you know, Dosh Kaleen? <laughs> I like that. I like that. I um had like no notes about this section because I had no idea. No, I, not that I didn't enjoy it. It just okay. Moving on. Um, and uh, uh, the only question I had is why are the men deciding what to do with her? Because this is the only area of Dothraki culture that women have any say or power. Like when they made her eat the stallion's heart. It was up to them to decide whether or not she was worthy enough to be a Khaleesi. So this really feels like it's in their purview. So I wonder if like they're giving it to the men for a reason or maybe I'm just thinking too much about this and the writers are like, nah, it's a sexist culture. <laughs> I, see, because the way I interpreted it is mm -hmm. this is very much still a patriarchal thing the the vibe that i get from them is like orange is the new black you know what i mean it's like they are all prisoners there they just have established their own rituals and pecking order okay. within that sub society that's that's the vibe i got anyway but i i mean hard to say because as as you mentioned they mentioned this this like this council or or whatever that's going to make this decision like how much involvement do they have in that i don't yeah. know um, but the vibe I got, especially with, you know, like they're stripping off her stuff and the one younger woman takes her dragon necklace and gives her kind of a stink eye and she's taking it away. I was definitely getting this like, you know, game is the new thrones um, <laughs> vibe to that. It's like, um, it's like Piper coming into the prison is like, you thought you were hot stuff and better than all of us, but now you're just, you're just one of us now too. No. I'm pretty pleased with Game is the New I'm, Thrones. I'm writing it down right now, by the way. I'm writing down Game is the New Thrones. <laughs> um, so uh, back to uh, Marine. Speaking of Danny and exploits, um, mm -hmm. we've got Varys with Vala doing his his version of interrogation, which is mm -hmm. pretty straightforward. Just pay yeah. for the information. <laughs> well, yeah. And I like what he says. Mm -hmm. Torture brings the wrong answers. I want mm -hmm. the right answers. Yeah. And most fiction, like, it's such a go-to trope, you know? Oh, mm -hmm. we really need information, so we're going to torture the guy. And they love going to these things, you know? And in truth and reality, you don't get the truth by torturing people. Yeah. And and he makes a really convincing argument. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People just like, tell you what they want, what you want to hear, so that you'll stop. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, Varys is great. He's just always been great. I love when they give him stuff to do. And I do like Marine much better with Varys and Tyrion there to straighten things out. <laughs> um, I thought uh, the if we're already over with the uh, Tyrion, yeah. the whole extended small talk attempts. Um, I thought it was funny, but maybe went on a little too long. But what what I thought was interesting is that certainly Grey Worm and Missande are, you know, they're not exactly the life of the party <laughs> most of the time. But I think that there was a lot of it that they were just really uncomfortable with Tyrion personally. And it's not even it's not even that they just don't get it at all. It's just that they're very uncomfortable dealing with him because he's trying to be like Come on, we're all in this together. Let's be buddies if we can, or at least cordial. Um, whereas they're still feeling like, we don't know who you are, dude. You are just kind of showed up one day, and I guess he knows you, but he's not exactly been around for a while either. Jorah liked you, but he's got his own issues. We've got complicated feelings about him. So you kind of just showed up, and now you're telling everybody what to do. <laughs> we're not against you exactly, but we're also not buddies. Yeah. <laughs> That's my take anyway. I took um, part of I, it. I, hmm? took part Sorry, of it is kind of the, the class difference of, you know, that they don't really have anything in common. <laughs> yeah. They had entirely different childhoods and don't mm-hmm. clearly don't play games. <laughs> I I, didn't, <laughs> I liked um I liked Grey Worm with uh, the the whole bit of uh, so what would you talk about if I wasn't here patrol things we saw on patrol places we patrolled <laughs> people we captured on patrol <laughs> <laughs> yep it's like yeah yeah that's it yeah I Pretty I <laughs> I love that there's a little bit of a throwback, though, by the way, to Tyrion's game from season mm, one. Yeah. That's a nice little throwback. And I also love the, you know, a, a, a great man once said, who said this? Me. I did. I just said it. See, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so we're talking. So Varys to the rescue. <laughs> um, we, uh, we've got every, in, the, in oh, the chat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sheriff Bullock says Danny is going to explain to the gals that they don't need the menfolk. They can be their own cows. She'll say something tropish like, you think the book of your life has closed, but there's another chapter, and you can be the author of your own story. Maybe she'll find a, uh, a, a magical ancient um, weapon for slaying things, and then the magic of being Stormborn Mother of Dragons will get spread out to all of the Dosh Killeen. Oh. And, and, um, Maybe it might look a little scythish. Yeah, it could. It could, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, and then uh, she wouldn't be the only chosen one. And, and all the people who are just standing around and watching, like, like the council that was going to decide, like, you know, yeah, maybe they're they're not in charge anymore. Hmm. I in like this. Is, 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 in case anyone's missing this, I'm I'm you know talking about the finale of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> Although I wouldn't be a bit surprised if something something like that actually happens. It hadn't occurred to me until uh, Sheriff Bullock mentioned it, but the idea that um, 
see, I had kind of always just assumed that uh, Danny was going to have to just basically wreck shop on her way out, whether that was aided by Jorah and Dario or by Drogon or possibly all three. Um, But the idea that she would actually sort of like win them over and say like, why are you guys letting them do this to you? Um, Although, actually, I also have to say that I suspect that would be a difficult transition. If the calls are coming to town, (laughs) yeah, if all the calls are coming to town to plan out their raids, the women might be a little outnumbered. Well, uh, they could just use uh, Sheriff Bullock's other suggestion that they all share a pair of magical pants. Mm. (laughs) Uh, Am I missing a reference there? The 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 sisterhood of the traveling. Oh, okay, there you go. (laughs) I got your joke, Sheriff Bullock. So we find out that uh, everybody, every absolutely everybody, Danny has beaten down so far, um, has coming together to fund the Sons of the Harpy, and uh, mm-hmm. something that's so obvious, I don't, I don't know why it never occurred to me. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I honestly Makes was sense. a little bit disappointed with that answer, just because it, it's kind of like saying. Well, gosh, who is it that's been trying to kill us? Oh, through this expert use of non-torture, we found the answer. And it turns out that it's the people who don't like us. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's also, it's it's all this, you know, why didn't you put two and two together? Because all of this stuff is happening off screen. You know, mm-hmm. we're not seeing this. It's all happening off screen and we didn't know until now, I believe, we didn't realize that the cities she freed are now all back under slave rule. Um, we knew that from earlier this um, season. It. Yeah, this season. I meant, I meant we didn't know that last year, like when yeah. they were trying to track down the Sons of the Harpy. I feel like there was maybe just a moment where one of the cities was having trouble. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. I don't think that just the idea that, oh, nope, they're retaken now. Yeah. Although, see, what I'm interested in is now, what is this message you think Tyrion wants to uh, send to them as part of this conversation? It'll be interesting. (laughs) I have no idea what the message is, but I'm thinking it's going to be uh, Tyrion appealing to uh, basically what they want, you know, which is what he's always done. You know, what he did as the hand was, okay, uh, Dorn's upset with us. What do they want? Let me give them what they want and we can establish good relations. What did this person want? And it's all about figuring out what people want and what motivates people. One thing that I, I did realize, and it, it's another one of these, why didn't I realize this before? And I know it's it's been said and mentioned, but the idea that like Vara, she wasn't a slave. But I'm thinking, and we don't have all the information, but she was poor. And now the slaves are all free, and she's on equal footing. And this is something that, through history, we saw in the, Ameri- in, in the United States when slavery was abolished and slaves were free. Poor people suddenly found that they were equal to people that they used to you know, believe, well, at least I'm not them. Mm-hmm. And so the rich masters, and I can use that in both scenarios, 
uh, basically use this to their advantage and continue to do so to get the poor people to fight with people they should be standing next to and and to fight their battles for them. And I just thought it was it was very interesting, you know. Um, we're always talking about how uh, A Song of Ice and Fire is historical fiction of or, or historical fiction of a history that never happened mm. um, because it's very much like things that we've seen in our own history. And that's just a, a very interesting parallel that I'm starting to see emerge. Yeah. Anything else <laughs> in Marine? So we have the, uh, the bridging where he talks about the little birds and then we see Kyburn mm. as always being creepy as fuck. <laughs> taking over the little birds though he seems to be taking care of them you know is yeah, taking care of their problems and that's what yeah. i was going to say is that like he he is a creepy character no doubt he has done lots of creepy things but his relationship with these little kids was kind of surprisingly non-creepy mm. yeah i i really enjoyed this scene and so he's taking over Varys's little birds and you know, he's like, oh, your father died, which makes us think that, okay, he had something to do with it. Is that why Sir Gregor's going around killing people? Mm. Is that, you know, what last week's scene mm, yeah. was about? Yeah, that makes sense, especially because yeah. I asked the question of, like, how did how did they find out? Like, was Gregor just trolling the various pars and you know, yeah. just to listen just in case anybody uh, makes a lewd comment. But no, it's, it's the little birds. That's, what, that's what's going on. And that, that makes perfect sense. And so why is he Sir Gregor and not Sir Strong now? I don't get that. Oh, he was I, presented yeah. as Sir Strong yeah. and then they haven't I, said it I this season. That they're, I think that they've just decided to skip over the mystery and and just say, let's not confuse people. Everybody knows who this is. Yeah. Which, like, it was, we all kind of knew, but then they're like, yeah, yeah, no, it's Sir Gregor. And everybody knows it's Sir Gregor. Um, so Paulette says that uh, Cadburn is Willy Wonka of Westeros. <laughs> giving out sweets to the kid. Although I will say that, like, on the whole, the basis of, oh, yeah, I'll give you candy. You know, creepy guy giving you free candy. Uh-oh. <laughs> It's like, come with me and give me a whole bunch of important information. <laughs> I want a full song by next week, Christiana. All right, I'm on it. <laughs> well, in their conversation, we got the answer to, is Cersei going to kill everyone who says something about her? Because that's when she says, okay, you got the little birds up and running. So now I want to know every single thing, you know. Everybody yeah. whispers mm -hmm. about the queen. Cersei's mm -hmm. oh, scary now. Yeah. I think that she is scarier now than she ever was. Um, I think she's going to be a very strong threat. Like she was always motivated, but she was there was always a big element of crazy going on and paranoia. Mm -hmm. And now that she is justified for being paranoid, she's gonna be really, really scary. Yeah. And she's got a, a good hit squad going on. And um, old Cersei would be wearing a wig. In the first season, Cersei would wear wigs when she was out in public. Cersei now is wearing that chopped off hair like an in-your-face. Every time you see me, mm -hmm. you're going to be reminded of what was done to me. 
Mm-hmm. And she's very calculated in like everything that she's doing. I yeah. think. Yeah. Well, th- yeah, that's that's totally why I was imagining the Wonder Woman music uh, <laughs> last week. Mm-hmm. You know, not the uh, '70s Wonder Woman right. song. That would be a very <laughs> different tone. Um, but yeah, um, I I agree completely. She she's she is out for blood now. Yeah. Well, so they come strutting into the small council and then basically get oh, spurned. Uh, so before, before we jump to that, although obviously we'll talk about that, but before we jump to that, I just want to not overlook the exchange of, what did you do to him anyway? <laughs> oh, a number of things. <laughs> like, you know, it's complicated. I could explain, but I don't think you really want to know. Well, and it also shows us that he knows what people are saying. Mm. He's aware inside there. Yeah, well, I, I or at least like interprets he, tone. Mm-hmm. He had to be at least a little bit, or else he couldn't follow instructions. But uh, how much is he just kind of an, an automaton who follows orders, and how much is there actually like a mind with its own thoughts and feelings? Right, mm-hmm. and and that's the thing. Like him getting annoyed at Jamie makes me go, okay, he's not an automaton there's still feelings and desire in there. Mm. So that I thought was really telling. One of the other details from that scene though, that I guess hadn't fully occurred to me was that, and I feel like maybe I knew it and then forgot or something, but just the idea that Cersei is just assuming that her trial is going to be a trial by combat and Gregor's going to be her champion. But I guess what gave me pause was the idea that, um, like trial by com combat, like obviously there's precedent for it in Westeros, but is that something that the the, the faith militant are going to be well on it's, board with? It's uh, through the laws of the seven. It's it's something handed down from there. It's not from the old gods' religion. Mm-hmm. It's definitely something from the seven, and um, they're they're going to have to respect it because it's one of the oldest laws that we, we learn about it when Tyrion first does it, and then mm. everyone's like, "Travel comet, nobody does that," you know, and mm. and and then it's become very popular um, because of that. But it's it's one of the oldest laws, and you can't deny someone a trial by combat from what we've heard, mm. because if you could, then um, Lady Aaron would not have allowed him to have a trial by combat because it yeah. could mean that he would win. Well, I I mean, I I agree. I guess that's right in, in some respects, but my hesitation was only just that, like, the sort of top-down version of the religion may have treated it that way, but that doesn't necessarily mean this more grassroots version. I think if they were able to not have it like able to deny it they would have to get the crown to agree and that's where that whole uh conversation between tommen and the high sparrow may be coming into play because they talk about the relationship between the religion and the crown Mm -hmm. and that the two of them endorse each other and i don't think that they could possibly even come up with the idea of being able to deny it if they didn't have support of the crown. I guess my resistance is just that it's such a BS 
thing. Like, I, like, I guess, uh, you know, I will accept that it has been established as part of it, but just it is as a ritual completely biased towards yeah. rich and powerful people who can just have some pay someone a trained fighter to be their champion. Yeah. And if they're in a conflict with some, you know, some poor person, that person just, just has no chance. No one's going to be their champion. Mm. They're just going to get slaughtered. And then the rich person always wins. Yeah. And, and they sell it. Like, they sell like it. Our court system. Sorry, go ahead. It's, it sounds familiar. Kind of like our court system, our justice system, <laughs> exactly. our corporate and, and laws. And they sell it as if, it's divine providence who's going to win the trial by combat because that's the whole thing. Trial by combat means that the gods are able to tell us through these two champions who they really believe. And so absolutely the rich and powerful are the ones who are in control and they're the ones that push this because it means that, oh, yeah, yeah, no, see, it's all about faith. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with our money. Right. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. But all the more reason that, this uh the faith militant with their whole populist message might be the ones to say that's a perversion of the true faith that's been perpetuated by the elites for all this time that'd be interesting i doubt that that's what's going to happen just because that becomes a complicated revisiting of what the rules are in the religion and nobody really cares about that it's much more interesting (laughs) to have a trial by combat so but at the same time, I'm just questioning from a storytelling perspective if it really makes sense that the faith militant would be okay with it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, they are the faith militant. They aren't opposed to violence. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we get into the, the small council with uh, Kevin and the queen of thorns and it's clearly a, a line in the sand with Cersei mm. and Jamie and all that. And they're like, you know, okay, maybe Jamie does have a seat and, but you know, we don't have to stay here and listen to it. So that all kinds of plays out. And all I can think and relating to the, the last scene is, I mean, if Cersei now has Tommen in her corner again, he can just, write a decree right here's my new hand here's my new small council here's the new septum Mm -hmm. right like i know it doesn't work plot wise or story wise it's not very exciting but Mm -hmm. can't the king just proclaim shit otherwise what's the point of being king right well i think that there are on top of this (laughs) yeah there are certain elements where i think a young king like it it would get complicated i think because there's an element to which kevin is currently like regent yeah which is um so like it could be complicated but to be sure if tommen was just going to go out there and insist it's not clear how that would play out but i he, i was kind of a little bit irritated with this scene just because I couldn't believe that they were really just going to pull that whole, okay, well, we can't make you leave, but you can't make us stay. Me, 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 me. And I'm like, what are we in third grade? <laughs> and they really did it. Like they followed through yeah. and that was the end of the scene. And I'm like, what? Oh yeah. I, I didn't like that. Honestly. I, I think that was a sign that the, the Tyrells are losing their footing. They definitely had gained control of the small council. They had gained the power 
in the monarchy. And this is a sign that they are starting to lose footing. Um, Paulette mentions how much she loved, by the way, that uh, Diana Riggs character mm -hmm. says, you're not the queen. You're not married to the king. Of course, in your family. Yeah. And she trails off, which is just amazing and makes me very excited to see more Olena stuff. But I really think that the, well, we don't have to listen to you, but we don't have to stay is just a little sign that they're starting to lose their footing and uh, Cersei's camp is scary. And yes, the, the king could definitely come in and put his foot down. But I think they're still at the point where they're really trying to coax Tommen into believing that every, like they can't they can't steamroll him. He's definitely thinking about things. And they have to mm -hmm. be very careful with the way that they approach him so that when he makes decisions, he's making them because he thinks they're his, mm -hmm. not because he's been ordered to do so. I think if Tommen were actually the age that he were in the books, they could steamroll him because he'd be so much younger and impressionable. But because they aged him up to a point where he's just starting to get an inkling of, I make the decisions, I make the choices, mm -hmm. it's so easy that he could be corrupted to either side. Um, on that note, though, I think it is insane that they allowed Tommen to go and speak to the High Sparrow by himself. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, I, it makes zero sense. We know Cersei can't go. Well, she can't go to the Sept, but couldn't they, they couldn't have arranged for a meeting somewhere else. Maybe she doesn't want to talk to him. Fine. But Jamie, at least. I know Jamie had tension with him the last time. But still, like, like you he showed up with the, by himself? He showed up with the White Cloaks, which should be enough protection. But honestly, that, that's a monkey's court, the, the, the King's Guard right now. Well, and that's not even what I mean. I don't just mean physical protection. I mean exactly what happened, which is oh, yeah. the ice barrel getting in his head. That's that what I, exactly I meant the same why. thing. Like they're not there to, oh. they're not going to protect him from anything like that. And I mean, he says leave. He doesn't even say leave. He gives them a look, yeah. and then they just leave. And, and not even they Kevin don't think that there's that. a problem. Like yeah, yeah Kevin should not want that. There is no one in all of King's Landing except the faith faith militant that would have wanted that to go this way. Agreed. Um, and so I, I just, I, I'm a little bit frustrated with the storytelling actually, just because I, I don't see how it makes any sense yeah. that they would have allowed Tom and, and the high Sparrow to be in the same room together. I think themselves. it all comes down there. They're rushing. I think it, you yeah. know, just like the last episode they're for some reason, they're really rushing. They're taking a lot of shortcuts. Yeah, I think they they realize that the fans or the viewers uh, get frustrated with all of the politics and they're trying to go more towards action driven scenes. But you really need to lay the groundwork for those politics for us to understand what's going on. Otherwise, people just look stupid. Yeah, um, I wonder, too, if. I don't know. I mean, I think what they might be planning to do is to try to show as a flip side to the problems they had with Joffrey, the idea that, oh, everyone's been kind of relieved that Tommen is a nice kid like Joffrey wasn't. But in some ways, they him being the nice kid, the good boy that was raised to believe in the seven makes him actually more susceptible to 
all of this religious talk without mm -hmm. having someone to kind of counterbalance and be able to match words, he's going to get suckered in. And so they might end up having like the opposite problem that they did with Joffrey, which is that um, we actually want to do some underhanded things and he's not going to let us because they're underhanded. Yep. Yeah. I, th I, 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 think that the High Sparrow is very charismatic and he's very convincing and he's already won over a Lannister. Um, let's not forget about Lancel there. Mm -hmm. uh, which Kevin has like nothing to say about the fact that his son is basically a drone. Yeah. Um, doesn't even seem to care about that. Well, Kevin has been in a grand total of like 90 seconds of the season oh, so yeah. far. So. <laughs> it's just, there's this whole thing going on and, and, and it's almost like the show forgets that that's his father. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it, I think it's uh, it's a very dangerous position. Uh, young And as I said, I think Tommen could be easily corrupted by pretty much any side. Mm -hmm. So everybody needs to be careful. And I think the High Sparrow is really doing it right yeah. because he's making him think about it. Right. But I, I and I agree 100 percent and I think that's what they're going to do. But, uh, you know, just to reiterate the same complaint I said a minute ago, all of that is so obvious that it makes no sense why they would allow the two of them to be in a room together. Yeah. I'm not sure they realize what's going on. Well, you know, I suppose it is theoretically possible that Tommen just decided of his own volition to do it. You know, like, like he walk. thought, you know, he thought this, this whole thing of uh, he's going to show how strong he, he is to like prove to his mom that he's going to go just demand this. And he just kind of goes on his own. I mean, maybe that, maybe that's what happened, but uh, you know, I, I almost wouldn't mind having like a throwaway line or two of like, how did he go to himself? It's like, oh, we didn't know that's what he was doing. He just kind of went off and he said he had something to take care of. <laughs> He's yeah. the king. He told us. We just did it. <laughs> mm -hmm. I love do you this. know what would have happened to us if we didn't do it when Joffrey said it? <laughs> I left this scene thinking, you know, it's it'll be an interesting conversation when Tom and next talks to his mom. Um, I kept thinking in my head, I'm like, you know, that, that Jonathan Price, he's so convincing and he can talk people into anything. I mean, he had the whole world believing he was Vietnamese back in the nineties. <laughs> Him playing a character in uh, Miss Saigon. <laughs> which I didn't realize was him until like two weeks ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea that that, I was like, wait, what? Are you kidding me? So. Yeah, way to go, Hollywood. Um, <laughs> Bravos, the house of black and white. With, uh, as Christiana mentioned, we get a training montage. <laughs> That's exactly, I wrote it down. I was like, oh my God, it's a total montage. I can't yeah. believe this. <laughs> Yeah. And as I was watching it, I was thinking, wait a minute, have we ever seen Jacken and the Waif in the same room together? Is the Waif just Jacken in another face? And then at the end, we see the Waif walk mm -hmm. past Jacken. Now, granted, Arya's blind, so maybe that's not real, yeah. but I was just like, huh. Oh, no, I guess not. But, yeah, I, I, did la I did actually laugh, though, at how prototypical and archetypal oh, yeah. the montage was. Is like, it was missing the new shot shows gradual improvement and <laughs> shows the passage of time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I do actually have like 
Um, okay, one minor nit that may be resolved with future stuff and, and one where I'm just like concerned from a story perspective, not like, um, not like a criticism of the show, but one is just that I'm not sure what, how I feel about the waif getting visibly irritated, um, Mm -hmm. as Arya starts to do well, like, isn't that the whole point? They're, they're training. Like, why would she be annoyed that Arya starts to do well. And I feel like they, the only reason to do that is just the sort of really kind of cheap theatrics, emotional manipulation of, well, we don't like her because she's mean to Arya. So we want her to be mad when Arya starts doing awesome. Mm. And like, and like, I get that, but I feel like it goes against the whole premise of what they're supposedly training her to do. I think it's um, a different thing. I think uh, it'll be more uh, for future conflict. And I think that the waif has been there for a very long time. And the waif was here in her training. And Arya has basically moved up and is maybe surpassing the waif now. Yeah. And so there might be a bit of jealousy going on there. But that was see, my at the same time... And, and, okay, and like I would buy that, except that the whole premise of the training of this place is to let go of all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's the whole point. That is literally what they are training Arya to do. Yeah. And so that's like, I don't know, maybe they will go somewhere with that and, and, and it'll all be explained. It'll be fine. But I, and it's a minor complaint anyway, but I, I did just feel like it undercuts the message like, especially when our concern here at the end is like, oh, my gosh, is there some real magic going on? Is she really no one now because she was able to drink this water and not die? And um, and and we're left to concerned there. And I like I'm really concerned because I don't want her to be no one. I want her to be Arya. Right. But yeah. when they are undercutting their own message of like how much no one are you really? Is it? A trick is it a discipline is there something really happening is it magical like they're they're confusing the message yeah mm-hmm. i, I was that. holding on to what you said you uh uh reinforced with me in a previous conversation was you know that the goal was better to hide that you are no one or hide that you are someone not necessarily yeah. you truly are no one so yeah I grasped That's back under I, that and <laughs> thought maybe the wave just really isn't very good at this. <laughs> I I wonder also, like, um, like I have written down, you know, is Arya really no one? Is it magic? Is it this? Is it that? Or is it just water and not the actual poison? Like, is it just that we've seen in the past that that fountain gives a, has, has poisonous water? Mm-hmm. But what if it's only poisonous when the House of Black and White wants it to be? What mm-hmm. if you actually add something when you're giving somebody the water? What if there's something more, you know, and that we don't know about? And I don't know. I I, I have a lot of questions. I don't have a lot of answers. Um, but I, I can say, by the way, they they definitely had an abridged version of that list mm-hmm. um, because Dylan um, wasn't on that list. Yeah, and well, yeah, I think I thought that was interesting, but it was hard for us to, and I think it was actually an excellent example here, mm-hmm. because we know there are some missing names, but there are some where it's kind of like, 
Like, does she know that Taiwan's dead? Mm-hmm. Um, like, like some. So some of those, it's kind of like, was the name potentially removed mm-hmm. because she knows they're dead already? I um, think eventually news would get around, right? Mm-hmm. Seems like a important goings on. Yeah. Um, so. But yeah, I th- I think they sort of were able to deliberately play with the idea that we don't necessarily remember who w- would have been on the list and who would have been off the list by now. And so our own uncertainty mirrors the waifs. And I think that's why it's such an effective example of like, wait, should there be someone else on there? You're leaving someone off, right? And, she- and Arya's just like, yeah, who? You know, <laughs> I win. I I liked I liked her answer about the hound. Yeah. Um. I it's. Uh, I'll. I was going to have another thought about that that I will leave out. <laughs> um. Related to the water, though. Um. One of the other things that kind of crossed my mind when we talk about the various ideas of. Is it magic? Is it really just water? And there's something else funny going on. What's going on there? But I also uh, remembered her working with all of those powders and stuff and thinking of uh, the Princess Bride is like, I've spent the last few years building up an immunity diocane powder. Yes, yes, yes. I had that same thought. I just forgot all about it. (laughs) Because remember that um, like there's definitely drugs going on with this place. Mm -hmm. There's no question about it. Right. And um, did she mix an antidote? Well, I don't necessarily mean that. Like, I don't think she did anything like on purpose. Like, I, mm. I think whatever is happening, she doesn't know what's happening. You know what I mean? Like, I don't mm-hmm. think she understands the process exactly. And and I think, honestly, this explanation is probably too complicated for the show to really deal with. But this idea that, like, especially one of the reasons that uh, opiate addictions, things like heroin can be so deadly and so prone to cause an overdose is that, for example, someone, when they're using regularly, they build up a tolerance. So they use have to use more and more and more and more to get that feeling. But then say they quit for a while and then they, and they haven't used for a while, they lose their tolerance but then when they relapse, they take the same dose that they used last time when they had a huge tolerance, and now it's too much and it kills them. So if she's been there a while, being exposed to low doses and building up mm-hmm. a tolerance to whatever this toxin is that's in the water, that could be why she could drink it and not, you yeah. know, and, and not die. But at the same time, there's also the fact that it made her eyes not blind yeah. anymore. So there's definitely <laughs> some mess there's something else. going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, there's so much, many questions that open up in this scene. Um, I'm definitely interested. I'm very happy that Aria is no longer blind because it means that we've got something more and something new to see. Yeah. Also, I didn't like, I didn't like the way her eyes looked. It was uncomfortable. <laughs> um, uh, Sheriff Bullock has a comment saying, uh, I'm glad we're finally accelerating Arya's training. Um, I also disliked how petty they made the waif look in this moment, but maybe it's just because I want Arya and the waif to be gal pals. 
(laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think you may be one of the few, but that's definitely within uh, Sheriff Bullock's normal (laughs) wants for his TV shows. So. Uh, if if you're interested in more of that, they, there's lots of gal pals that he picks out for Deadwood. So, <laughs> well, there are nice. some good pairings in in Deadwood. There True. really are. Mm-hmm. So, all right, right on. Do we so cover everything, or is there any more? There's no, a very big bombshell we have to cover. One more scene in Winterfell. Yeah. Oh, right, uh, Lord Umber coming to make an alliance with a gift. You know, I thought, honestly, I, I this scene gave me the most mixed feelings out of, like, any scene I can think of in a long time in the sense that, A, obviously it's terrible that Osha and Rickon are now in the hands of um, Ramsey and that Shaggy Dog is dead. Like, that's terrible. I am yeah. very uh, unhappy with that development from a in story caring for the character's perspective, not as a criticism of the show perspective. We know how Ramsey feels about airs. (laughs) Well, yes. Unhappy (laughs) in the extreme about this situation. I am terrified that they are going to be killed just to make John even matter when he finally shows up. Because that's my assumption of what's going to happen. I don't know that. That's not a spoiler. That's just my guess. Um, But from a storytelling world building perspective, the idea that the Umbers were always super loyal to the Starks and thus willing to secretly be protecting Rickon all this time, but that now, because of letting the wildlings through the wall, that's what would make them say, okay, first of all, I know John was a bastard, but he was like a bastard Stark, so screw him. We're mad about that, and we're also going to need help fighting the wildlings. So you know what? Look, we have to make a new alliance here. And so I just thought that that all felt well-constructed to me in the sense that we could why there would be this house that would feel one way and then would feel another way and make this critical decision that affects the plot so much, but it all just felt well-developed like, Oh yeah. Okay. I get all of that. That that all makes sense to me in a way that the Karstark thing didn't because young Lord Karstark is just a sociopath apparently, and maybe a child molester. It's a little bit unclear. Um, That was an insult that was, he stood up and he took, yeah, yeah. that's, that's why I wasn't 100% sure yeah. if it was meant to be true or if he's just he was fucking being, being yeah. <laughs> um, I, I certainly liked this guy, and it's it's nice to remember uh, the great John um, with what little we got of him way back in, what, season two? Um, he was the guy that uh, wasn't on Rob's side until Rob's direwolf bit off two of his fingers. Yep. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, sure, now I'm on board. <laughs> I I felt so betrayed because I I read, you know, from the various perspectives and how much love there was between the Starks and the the Umbers and and I just I felt so so betrayed. And then, you know, it was like, oh my god. Okay, so 
then in my head, like they reveal that it's Rick and, you know, it's OSHA and then it's Rick and, and in my head, I'm thinking, okay, so what's his plan? What's he going to do? Is this a sneaky way in? What, what is the plan? You know, thinking that there's something else. And then we see the head of Shaggy Dog and I just wanted to cry. I was like, no, he's really betraying him. He wouldn't kill Shaggy Dog unless, unless he really was betraying them. And then I just, I felt so betrayed. Yeah. Um, as a brief note, let's do Direwolf update, you know, in terms of like, yep. so the remaining living Direwolves are Ghost with John and Summer with Bran, right? We haven't seen Summer, but still yes. around mm. up there. Summer's Came up still with there. Presumably. And yeah. Nymeria's out on her right? somewhere, but not seen since episode two of season one. <laughs> um, so yeah, but there were stories of a wolf uh, in the woods, and not in the and, show though. Yeah, in the show. When they talked about it in the show, I remember talking about it. Okay, I don't remember it in the show. Maybe <laughs> right. It's I don't remember like, when exactly, but not recently. Yeah. <laughs> um, you you might be right, and I just don't remember. But um, the the point is, yes, not definitively dead. Chased yeah. away into the woods, but way early in the show and not seen since. Yes. Um, well, and, and definitely with an asterisk because Nymeria is not with Arya and hasn't been mm-hmm. with Arya since she was still a puppy. Yeah. So it's not the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so Grey Wind, though, Rob's dog, uh, Direwolf, was killed with him at the twins. Mm-hmm. Um Lady, I think, was Sansa's direwolf yep. killed, um, you know, in reprisal for the whole Butcher's Boy incident uh, in season one. And now, alas, Shaggy Dog as well. So anyway, I just wanted to check in because that was one of my first thoughts when Shaggy Dog was dead is like, OK, which of the direwolves are still around? <laughs> um, and and we actually have now we have um, one Stark whose direwolf is dead, but that Stark is... Actually, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, now we have two Starks that are alive with dead direwolves, whereas I know, especially for me, when reading the books, you knew somebody was dead, one of the Stark children, that they're officially dead when their direwolf is dead. Like, you Mm -hmm. lost all hope Mm -hmm. for Rob when Greywind was dead. Mm Mm-hmm. And the only reason I had hope for John is because Ghost was still alive. Yeah. So. Um, we've got a couple of Q&A comments. We have Paulette uh, saying, does John even know Rickon is alive? Didn't he think the boys were burned by Theon? And I, I yeah. believe that's um, – I'm trying to remember now. I can't remember if did John and – they John and Bran did miss each other, right? Like Bran yes. saw John from a distance, but they did not meet. But John so. never mm-hmm. saw Bran. John had yeah. no idea. And uh, Bran told Sam not to tell him. Right. Oh, so Sam oh, knows. Right. right. But not John. So yeah. you're, you're right, um, Paulette, that uh, John does not know either of them alive or alive. Um, Sansa – knows now but mm-hmm. not where they are she only knows that they weren't killed when supposedly they were killed so yeah. they could be anywhere they might still be dead they just weren't dead when everyone thought that they were right um sheriff bullock also says when i saw osha i thought oh my god or omg uh, yeah. osha i've missed you followed by dread 
though not too much dread because I feel confident OSHA can handle herself. Uh, but then Rickon was brought in and I felt sick and annoyed. And then uh, he actually just added another, another comment saying, Ramsey just had a Stark as his captive and now he has another. We just went through this storyline. Why is the show repeating itself? Something else needs to happen here because this is feeling pretty tired. Yeah. Um, I kind of agree. I I don't think that uh, he's going to... I don't think that Ramsey's going to just outright kill Rickon. I think that he's definitely going to learn from his mistake um, because what's more important, having Sansa or having Rickon who trumps Sansa. So if he has Rickon... You know, maybe there's something he can do, and and I think he might have an idea, which makes me really, really, really scared for Rickon because I'm thinking whatever Ramsey has in store is a fate worse than death. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I kind of feel like first of all, I like from Ramsey's perspective, Rickon doesn't trump Sansa because Sansa theoretically could have given him an heir and made him legitimate. Right. Yeah. Um, whereas Rickon showing up, like, can only be bad unless he is dead. Right. Mm. Because otherwise people could unite against him. And see, like, you might be right, but, like, from everything they've shown us this season, it seems like Ramsey is really going off the rails now. So this idea that he's going to learn from his mistakes and do, like, Honestly, the best, like from his perspective, the best thing he could do right now is to kill Rickon quietly and let nobody know that he was ever there. Yeah, yeah. I don't see how, how Rickon can be leveraged for Ramsey in any way. I don't see. Uh, uh, I, I agree completely. And I think it's almost more likely that he will maybe try to, he will try. And it will backfire because if everyone actually finds out, oh, wait, one of the Starks actually is still alive, then maybe that's going to change things. Now, it doesn't necessarily because, of course, um, the Umbers were one of the families that was supposed to be the most loyal to the Starks. And now they've just handed Rickon over. So, Well, and and my question then is, well, if he does then just kill Rickon, whatever he would gain by Sansa being his wife, the Umbers would then have over him because mm-hmm. the Umbers would know and they'd have plenty of people to back it up as their witnesses. They would know that they turned Rickon over to Ramsey. Mm-hmm. So they have that information. But you could also say, why would they do that? I feel like they wouldn't want to tell anyone because everyone would just say, you 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 were hiding Rickon all that time, and then you turned him over to Ramsey just in time for Ramsey to kill him. That doesn't seem good. For <laughs> well, and you. that's assuming that they were hiding him the whole time. Uh, well, I I isn't that where they were supposed to be going when? Um, I don't remember. When I Osha remember with them, I think that is where they were supposed to be going. Is the numbers? Yeah, yeah I couldn't um, remember. Uh, yeah, I don't remember for sure either. But uh, I that was my impression is that that's where he's been all this time. Um, But it's all very complicated now to be sure, because even the families that were the most loyal to the Starks. Yeah. Like the Umbers are sufficiently mad about the wildling thing that it's, 
it's not, uh, it's, it's got them turned. Yep. Um, oh God. Um, Paulette just says, uh, Rickon upside down on a cross at the front of Ramsey's army, a la Mad Max Fury Road. Oh. No. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm horrified, and yet, like, that's what I am actually worried is going to happen. Like, uh, not necessarily literally that, except that we were kind of got a sneak preview of that because that's the cart that was hiding. Osha and Rickon on it, leading into Winterfell, past a flayed person, a flayed body on on an upside down cross, or <laughs> you know, flayed body on a cross, mm. or an X, um, which I'm hoping is not foreshadowing, but I fear maybe. But at the same time, it does feel like a little bit like John doesn't even know Rickon is alive, and so passing a flayed young person is not necessarily going to obviously mean anything to him. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that they can have a way to handle that. Um, oh God. I'm just see now I'm just imagining all the ways that it could even be worse than that. And I'm going to stop <laughs> now and not give. Don't do that to that. yourself, <laughs> especially right before bed. <laughs> right. Okay. And episode so, ended. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. All clear. Um, yeah. So what do we rate this sucker? Hmm. Uh, hmm. I'm, I, I'm a little more down on this episode, not in any extreme way, but just compared to the others. So I'm going to, but I'm going to give it, um, uh, seven out of 10 awkward pauses. Um, <laughs> in honor of uh, Tyrion's attempted conversation. <laughs> nice. You have one, Nettie? Um, oh, geez. I'm, I'm going to give this 7.5 out of 10 uh, screams from a tower that are taunting us. Oh! <laughs> Uh, mostly because I feel that this was like a bridge episode. It was really building and, and catching us up between what has happened and what is going to happen. And it didn't really feel like a, a, a full episodic story, like a full arc. So I just, it's not that it's filler, but it's, it's the stuff we have to get through before we can get to the really good stuff. Yeah, definitely, definitely slow putting pieces in places. But for me... Some of the this just weird writer shortcuts they're taking bugs me. Um, I was going to rate it worse. I gave it a bonus point because I was very happy Arya can see again. Um, and which so I end up giving it a seven to one against Arthur Dane. Nice, <laughs> I like that. So you mean uh, seven out of ten? <laughs> seven out of ten. Okay. That's awesome. But I love that seven to one against Arthur Dane. I love I, it. I was really happy with that scene. Even I, I honestly even like the way that it toyed with us and denied us giving us the actual information that we want. Yeah. Um, uh, because I am sort of pleased with the times that the show has deliberately trolled the book readers that mm -hmm. way. <laughs> um, so I, I do actually like that, but, 
but just the same. Yeah, <laughs> there's some other there's some other issues. Yeah. So did we have any feedback this week? Um, do, 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 you know, I don't believe so. Okay, cool. I want to say I saw one, but I, I may have, uh, yeah, I may have dropped the ball. There may have been one and oh. I just totally forgot to bring it up. <laughs> Let me double, double check. Oh, so uh, we had uh, the four days actually from Mad Marv. <clears throat> it was regarding our episode two. So we had one quick regarding Jon Snow's resurrection. Does anybody want to bet on whether he met Ned on the other side <laughs> and is oh. all caught up? <laughs> oh, man. Which That'd apparently awesome. he's not. Yeah, well, that, I, that would be. Remember that conversation? <laughs> Yeah. I have I ha, I do have another slight f- theory. Okay, so it's like supernatural, right? He doesn't remember anything, but he did experience something. So like even though because he came back, he doesn't remember the afterlife, so it's just blank. And all he needs to do is meet a reaper who gives him a kiss and then he can remember everything. Like happened with Dean in Supernatural. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I feel like Maybe people who have crossed to the other side, it's too much information for them to bring back. Mm-hmm. So maybe he found out who his mom is. <laughs> and yeah. then he's forgot all over again. Buried in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> See, what, what'll be interesting is even though like some of the historical mysteries of the show are now in a spot where like we can find out the answer through Brand's visions but it's not clear how that's going to actually mean anything to the rest of the story. Yeah. Well, and, and, and just cause brand knows, does that mean that other characters are going to know? Right. Yeah. Or like just going to actually have anything to do with it because right. like, like, you know, we were just talking about the mystery of, of John's mom. Right. Well, like, let's say we find out and everyone's just like, who cares? That doesn't have anything to do with what's happening right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, oh, okay. What's going to happen is we're going to have um, John and Ramsey, um, you know, at each other's throats. And then all of a sudden, Brand's going to run, run in and say, John, turns out your mom's name was Martha. And Ramsey's oh, going to no. go, no way. No way. Martha, that's my mom's name too. We should totally be buds now. <laughs> And what's even better is that Martha was the, it was the same Martha. So they're actually brothers. You can't kill your brother. Yeah. We're both bastards. <laughs> and we share our mom and her name's Martha. Nice. <laughs> Thank you. Cracked oh. it. <laughs> cracked the code. Oh my God. That was so dumb. <laughs> That movie that has some okay parts, but boy, yeah. I still haven't <laughs> seen it, but I get the Martha joke. Yeah. <laughs> All uh, right. I think so that, next week, yeah. uh, we have Book of the Stranger. Mm-hmm. We shall so, see. That's... So um, the Stranger is the Seven's sort of analog for the God of death. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, 
So that seems like it could definitely tie into stuff that's going on with Arya. But also, like, you know, obviously the, the storylines that are most prominently featuring the religion of the Seven is with, um, you know, uh, everything happening at King's Landing. But it's not obvious why we would necessarily be invoking the Stranger there, because in that religion, although he's, the Stranger is part of the Seven, he's definitely, like, the one that everyone kind of avoids talking about. Because it's uncomfortable. Mm. Mm -hmm. Although uh, the High Sparrow talked a lot about the mother t this time. Mm -hmm. So maybe we'll get a lesson on the stranger next time. Maybe each episode we're going to get a lesson on each of the, the different aspects. <laughs> For now? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just looking at so the, uh, the scenes from the next episode. Um, it seems that uh, that that Sansa's gonna show up to presumably Castle Black. We see some big doors swinging open, so I'm guessing yeah, just as John leaves, she's gonna miss John in the night. We're finally gonna catch up with Baelish and see that Robin survived his uh, his tour of the mm -hmm. room. Uh, looks like Theon's coming home, or at least he's on a boat. Mm -hmm. Although I'm sorry, no, 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 they actually have a, have a scene of yeah with his sister. Mm -hmm. um, movement and Marjorie's trial. Looks like Cersei may be using it to to get an in with Lady Elena. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, I think it is really only been Cersei's pride that has prevented her from being more of a, an ally with Elena in this yeah. case. Although I suppose um, Elena did have her son killed. So <laughs> Yeah, but she doesn't know that. Yeah, but it's just there's there's a tension there. So what she, I'm has, she has no nothing to even suspect that. Um, but I think that you know, I think at one point in in the next on we see them say, you know, nobody wants that, or I don't want well, that either. And and true. they really need to both of them come out of this, in, you know, unscathed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It only helps each other's case if they're both been um, arrested and persecuted wrongly. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. Um, so. The uh, let's see, Marine populace wondering where Danny at, and uh, then it looks like a possible Khaleesi prison break attempt by Dario and Jora. Um, I saw a funny meme of uh, it was the image of Jora and Dario that are where they're kind of lying on that hill overlooking uh, the Vais Dothrak and um, one of them. And so the, the text is, man, I thought you brought the sniper, ri sniper rifle. No, you were supposed <laughs> to bring it. That would have been better if I hadn't said sniper. Sniper. <laughs> Swiffer. That was pretty good though. All right. So next, I, I'm hoping for more of an episode. Hmm. I, yeah. More of an episode, like a full story arc, not one of these bridge episodes like we yeah. just had. Mm -hmm. I think perhaps this next one will be kind of a mixed bag. We'll get some pieces and some big, big action and then set up for a one-two punch. <laughs> <laughs> They've never stared us wrong before. Oh, boy. <laughs> Careful what you say. Right. It's going to be where it all unravels. <sighs> all right. Well, tune in next week and we'll find out if <laughs> it all unravels. 
Same bat, same dragon time, same dragon channel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and be sure to uh, send in some feedbacks for our our drawing, our contest drawing, fifty dollar gift card. And yeah, we'll uh, talk to you next time. Yay! Ciao. <laughs> If you have feedback for the Beyond the Wall podcast, you can email us at btw at specficmedia.com. You can also leave us a comment on the website. Go to specficmedia.com where you'll find a shiny BTW button that'll take you right to our page. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, Sharealike, 3.0, Unported License. Feel free to share and remix. Just give us credit and don't charge money for it. Click, click. Fascinating <laughs> video. <laughs> double, double toil and trouble. Click on the feedback board. I was going to say there will be trouble, but that's right. I mean, trouble with trouble again. So that's no good. <laughs> There's not really that many words that rhyme with trouble and bubble there's there's rubble i suppose that works <laughs> that's a very hubble. good point hmm? hubble <laughs> hubble yeah hmm? you'll look at the stars through the hubble <laughs> i know i'm reaching <laughs> <laughs>